The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the advice and information you need to get to your next level, investing in real estate. And tonight we're going to talk about an extremely popular and yet at the same time little known strategy for finding deals and that is finding deals with abandoned properties. My guest tonight is Reggie Brooks who is best known for having uh, started out as a telephone company worker making $36,000 a year to making $40,000 a month in his real estate business. You may have seen Reggie out on the speaking circuit where he has shared the stage with folks like Donald Trump and Susie Orman and Anthony Robbins and Rudy Giuliani and many, many other uh, well-known names. He is a teacher, he is a real estate investor, and he is a father to two full-time millionaire real estate investors. And congratulations, Reggie, that is probably your biggest achievement right there, because I know I never wanted to listen to anything my father said to me. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Vina. Oh, no, 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 please. (laughs) If you have additional comments to make, feel free before we jump into this whole abandoned property thing. Well, you know, I was just going to say that that's one of the greatest joys that any father, any parent uh, can experience in being able to take something simple, yet something little known, but something very powerful, pass it down to their kids and let them uh, use it to carve out a lifestyle for themselves. And you know what's interesting is when you see that they've graduated from universities, fine universities across the country, and not used anything that they learned from the university, yet everything that they do to make millions is from the abandoned property system. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Very, very really true. Amazing. Now, Reggie, you have sort of carved out a niche for yourself that... A lot of investors, uh, maybe they maybe they use what you use a little bit. A lot of speakers and gurus talk about what you talk about, but only a little bit. Um, you have made zillions of dollars from a single idea, which is that maybe people who have abandoned properties would like to sell those abandoned properties and maybe they don't want uh, full price for them given that they are 
abandoned. And that, <laughs> that, that seems so simple, but, you know, in a, in a world where every educator seems to want to uh, make things as difficult as possible to 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 set to set themselves apart i just i love this whole i love this whole concept of of focusing on a kind of property where you know that the seller is motivated so let's let's start with the question of tell tell me what the difference between an abandoned property is and a property that maybe is just vacant did we lose reggie Okay, we can't hear Reggie. <laughs> he may be talking, but we can't hear him. So while we attempt to get him back, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you have any questions about the abandoned property business or uh, how to find them, how to find the owners, etc., you can give us a call here in the greater Cincinnati area at 772-9658 or toll-free long distance if you're listening to us on the web at 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email. You do that by going to our website, which is askvena.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A.com. You can send a question through the Q&A forum there. And uh, we have Reggie back, so I'm going to ask the question again because I'm not sure how much of that you heard, Reggie. Uh, the, the the question was, how do we know the difference between a property that's truly abandoned? Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, how, how do we know the difference between a property that's truly abandoned and one that's just vacant? Dana, if you can hear me, I am here. I just heard something, but I couldn't tell what it was. Wow, we have a really bad connection. Um, Reggie, just hang on a second. We're, Mike's, Mike's actually leaving the studio to go push some maybe mysterious button that will allow us to hear each other, because it seems like I can hear you and you can't hear me, or vice versa. And while we are working that issue out, uh, I do want to uh, point out to Real Life Real Estate listeners that you can fan us on, face, on Facebook at... Facebook.com slash real life real estate. Facebook.com slash real life real estate. You can join 5,500 other fans there. You can post your own questions, deals, favorite experts, etc., and get information about what's happening on real life real estate and out in the real estate education world. Again, that's Facebook.com slash real life real estate. The other thing you will find on our Facebook page that I've had a lot of questions about in the last few weeks is the link. Link to our podcast. Uh, there, there is for complicated reasons that we won't explain. Two different podcast, uh, two different podcast accounts for real life real estate. In case you can hear me, but I can't hear you. He still can't hear me. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, we've got two different uh, podcasts up on uh, iTunes, but the correct one, the link to the correct one, is there on the Real Life Real Estate Radio Program page. It's real life, uh, facebook.com slash real life real estate. Mike, would you like to take a quick break while we try to work this issue out or... I thought I heard someone right there and got excited for a minute. <laughs> Reggie, can you hear me? He can't hear me. So let's go ahead and just take a quick break. When we come back, we promise we will talk about abandoned housing because if we can't get Reggie back, Mike has to answer all of my questions about abandoned housing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest, I am hoping, is Reggie Brooks, who is here to talk about abandoned properties. Reggie, can you hear me now? 
I can hear you. I hope you can hear me. Yay. Yes, we can both hear Yay. each other. Woohoo. Um, <laughs> so the, 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 the question <laughs> that uh, I was, I was yes. trying to pose when we lost each other there was about uh, the difference between like an abandoned property, the kind that you focus on, and, and maybe one that's just vacant because a tenant moved out. I mean, what d- define a truly abandoned property for us. Surely. You know, when uh, a vacant property, I would say, would be maybe one where there's no one living there. The grass may be cut and there may be fairly clean, and you can see that it's vacant because there may be nothing up to the windows. An abandoned property is one that may have been abandoned a little wa- longer, and so it's overgrown. Uh, there may be trash on the porch. There may be a little trash in the yards. The shrubs are overgrown. The lawn is either overgrown or dead. Uh, you may see uh, boarded-up windows. You may, be, uh, you may see broken windows. If the windows are intact, you may look inside and see where uh, you know, it is vacant. But the main key there is overgrown. Uh, we want a problem that is a problem. Uh, we want a property that's a problem for its owner. In some cases, you may have an owner that um, has maybe taken a long vacation. That's not an abandoned property. <laughs> um, we may have uh, HUD foreclosures, and we don't. We're not interested in dealing with HUD foreclosures. What we want is a property. Uh, where uh, the owner may have been relocated on his job and had to move from the West Coast to the East Coast and can't afford two, uh, uh, two mortgages, and one of them on the West Coast is uh, vacant and becoming overgrown. Uh, we want a divorce situation. We want a problem for its owner. And so our job is to go in there and give that owner some solutions and give them some uh, uh, solutions for their problems. And in so doing, we make an awful lot of money by solving that seller's problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell me what kind of situation, I mean, you've been doing this for years. You, you, you started in real estate in 1986, and I know you, mm-hmm. you, you have probably talked to thousands of owners of abandoned properties. And uh, tell me what it is that goes on in their mind that makes them get up and walk away. What 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 causes someone to say, "Well, I'm just going to leave that property, sit there, and not rent it, and not live in it, and not do anything to it." You know, it runs the gamut, Vina. Um, it, it's I can go from A to Z. Uh, one thing that comes into mind: uh, you may have a problem. You may have a well. We're investors. And so we go out there and creatively make a lot of money for ourselves. And we find ourselves over the years upgrading our residences. And so now we're living in our nice uh, uh, dream home, and we have several rentals out there, some of them of which we even may have paid off, and we own them free and clear. We know that there's been a little bit of a job problem in America for the last several years, and maybe the tenant in that property has lost his job, uh, has to move out. In many, many cases, we've done some research, Bean, and we found that from 30 to 40 percent of all homes in America are owned, still owned, free and clear. So with that being the case, and it's not really hurting that, uh, that owner of that property because he has several rentals, and that's one that he owns free and clear. He only has to pay the, mor- uh, the uh, taxes and insurance. There's no mortgage. So it may sit there. And uh, what some of my students do is they seek out people that own properties free and clear, abandoned properties especially, and they approach them and they remind them of the, um, the uh, position that they're sitting in, that 
or their house of cards can come tumbling down if someone gets hurt on that vacant property and decides to sue them. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it's easy to turn a vacant property like that into a good deal that can become another stream of income for that owner and also give my student a way to make some money as well. Mm -hmm. But there's so many different reasons. Uh, as I mentioned before, a person may be relocated on their job. A person may go into a convalescent home and, uh, and the property is vacant. Um, whoever the family members are, they're taking care of that person in the convalescent home, may not be so um, keyed on that property other than maybe some of the contents they'll secure it up. And so what we want to do is to find a pathway to those, uh, uh, to those people who are caring for that person and as well as that person. Mm -hmm. Many times they are not looking for a lump sum of cash. What they're really, really wanting is security in their older years. And so we can very easily set up creative financing where we can pay them by the month, you know, and they become the bank, and we call that owner financing. <laughs> so what we find all throughout the country, Vina, is that with these abandoned properties, the fact that many times they need work, and so with that being the case, they're not the lenders are not going to loan on those properties. So therefore, the owners know that in order to sell them, and they want to sell them, they don't want that financial headache or that uh, that legal headache, and so they're more apt to do owner financing. And with owner financing, you don't need money, credit, nor job. So they become a really um, viable, creative method of becoming very, very wealthy in real estate mm -hmm. with abandoned properties. Do you find that with abandoned properties as opposed to maybe just a, a landlord who's got a two-family that he does have a tenant, he'd like to sell it, but it's not abandoned, do you find it's mm -hmm. easier to negotiate owner finance deals on the truly abandoned properties than all of the other zillions of kind of deals we see? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I can tell you why. Um, the number one reason is the fact that with abandoned properties, usually they need some degree of work. And so the conventional lenders are not going to lend money on those properties, number one. Number two, um, you have an owner that realizes that Maybe he's uh, built himself a nice little retirement, but because of that abandoned property, some uh, homeless person goes in there and maybe lights something that he shouldn't light, and the place burns down, and he gets hurt. And he is so subject to a heavy, heavy lawsuit uh, that he's interested in doing a deal. Number three, you have people who are living in that neighborhood who have access to that owner of that abandoned property, and they're contacting that owner. And they're saying, Mr. Owner, we're getting upset with you because your property needs work, and it's bringing our property values down, and we're getting mad at you. And so that's more pressure on that owner. Mm -hmm. Number four, you have the Department of Public Works, the Division of Building and Safety, who happen to pass by and see that this property is abandoned, and so they'll put it on what's called an abatement list, Dina. And with it going on this abatement list, now it's a public record. And so that they're given what's called a notice of order to comply. And if they don't do something with that abandoned property, the county or the city is going to come down and knock it down and create a vacant lot, and they're going to bill that owner, and they're not cheap. Mm -hmm. So with all of these and even more uh, incentives for that owner to do a deal, um, it's pretty easy to do a deal when you have an owner that that's, motiva that's that motivated. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we make our money, by buying distressed properties 
from motivated owners. I don't know of an owner that would be high, more highly motivated than the owner of an abandoned <laughs> property when he's truly briefed on what his true position is in owning that property. Mm-hmm. And then what we do, and this is the way I train my students, is that once that owner is briefed on uh, the downside of owning that property, then we give them the upside and how we can help them you know, by uh, purchasing that property from them. And um, many times we get owner financing by simply saying, you know, Mr. Johnson, you don't even have to do anything. All you have to do is nothing more than what you've been doing for the last five years. Just do it for four more months. That will give me a chance to fix that property up. I think I've got a buyer for it even now. What we've actually asked that owner of that property is just to continue to make the mortgage note for four more months. Mm-hmm. We didn't ask them, uh, how much money do you want down, or how much money do you, do you want to, me to pull out of my pocket? We just simply laid out the true position that that owner is in with, that, with the legal liability hanging over his head like a pendulum with a sharp blade on it. And we let them know that, you know, you've been, doing, you've been making those mortgage payments for five years. All you have to do, Mr. Johnson, is nothing more than you've been doing for the last five years. Just do it for three or four more months. And by that time, I'll have that property fixed up, ready to go, and that headache will be off your hands. So many times, Vina, just by that simple, simple phrase that I teach my students, they get owner financing with no problem whatsoever. That's the power of an abandoned property, that you have access to the greatest number of motivated owners, the greatest number of distressed properties, without the competition and also with the door wide open to all kinds of creative financing opportunities. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I am 100% on your side, Miss <laughs> Reggie. I, uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've made a lot of money from abandoned properties over the years, and the uh, interesting thing about dealing with those owners is that unlike any other, any other type of owner you might have, they always, I'm not going to say always, 98% of the time, they want to sell. Yes. And the only question is, can we come to a price and terms that works for both of us? There are, there are exactly. other sorts of marketing that you can do that are also effective. Uh, for instance, marketing to people who've inherited properties. But I've found in those cases, it's maybe 25 to 50% of the people that actually want to sell. The rest of them either want to... Mm-hmm move a relative in or they want to they want to rent it or something like that and and even of those uh many times their properties are in very good condition and they have no reason in the world to need to sell it at an under market price or with owner financing so in terms of uh, are you going to be talking to someone who is grateful to be talking to someone who wants to buy their property <laughs> the answer is absolutely yes in the case of abandoned property. So particularly new investors who are a little bit afraid of that conversation with the seller are probably going to find that it's a pretty pleasant one for them when it is uh, an abandoned property. Now, that does beg the question, though, how do you find them? I mean, obviously, if you're if you're driving up the street and you see high grass and a broken window and so on, you found an abandoned property. But but but, you know, how do you find them by the dozens Oh, man, there's so many different ways to find them by the dozens. Um, let me see if I can come up with a sexy little way to find them by the dozens. Um, okay, let's say that um, we run, a, run an ad in the newspaper, and the 
dad might say, I can find, uh, I can buy your uh, abandoned property or distressed property, I can pay all cash, and I can close in 30 days. Um, the chance of that owner calling you with a deal that you can make a lot of money on in the next 10 days or so is pretty slim. So if we get ourselves a couple of uh, friends or relatives, and we're going to start off really, really conservatively. You know, we're not going to ramp up right away, just very conservatively, just two people. Let them know about abandoned properties. And, uh, and what I do with my students is make sure they have all the forms that they need, you know, to. And so one of those forms is called the, um, the inspection or the repair, the repair list. And so what you do is you make a lot of copies of it. Give it to your two people. Let them know that when you find an abandoned property, fill out the repair list, and it'll give you a chance to see what needs to be done to it. Then you have them take a picture with their camera, and then you've, uh, you know, they send it over to you along with the address of the property, and you have them talk to the neighbors since they're already out there, the neighbor to the left, the neighbor to the right. And don't forget about the neighbors across the street. And you let them know that for every lead that they bring you like that, You'd give them, no. Oh, let's be generous, 20 bucks a lead. And so we know that in America people need extra money, and they don't mind working for it. And so they would be more than happy to do these things for you when they find an abandoned property. And so you send, and you do that for both, 20 bucks a lead. And you send one in one direction and one in the other. <laughs> and then within about 10 days, they both come back, and each one has, oh, say, 10 leads. Mm-hmm. And so... You give them the 20 bucks a lead times 10, they both make $200. And that helps them because in the mornings, you know, when the kids want to get up and go to school, that puts a little cornflakes on the table or, you know, helps out with the clothes or whatever. And this is just for a week. And so now you've got 20 leads, and that's with the form filled out, with the pictures taken. They already have uh, talked to the neighbors and maybe have a line on where that owner is. And then you go to work. And so that's just one of so many different ways to get what I call abandoned properties chasing you rather than you chasing them. You want another? I'll give you another. There's a student of mine in Florida, and what he does is he works with the, um, with the mail route, uh, with the mailman or the letter carriers. Mm-hmm. Now, this happened with my son. This is a great example of how the teacher becomes a student and the student becomes the teacher. I'm driving down a residential area, and my son happens to see a mail, a letter carrier walk, and he says, pull over, Dad, and I pulled over, and my son is uh, talking across me, uh, because I pulled over on the wrong side of the street, but it was a residential area, it wasn't unsafe, and he's talking to the letter carrier, and he says, hey, listen, my dad and I, we look for vacant, run-down properties, overgrown properties, you know what, you notice he didn't just say vacant. Vacant, run-down, overgrown properties, and we'd like to pay you a finder's fee, but if we buy one, we'd give you $500. Have you seen any? That uh, letter carrier stood right there, and he rattled off eight addresses right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to think about this. He doesn't deal in letters. He deals in addresses. And so, therefore, he was able to remember in his mind which of those properties were vacant and overgrown and run down. Eight addresses. We drove them all, and they were all uh, vacant, overgrown, and run down. So now that spawned another idea. Okay, if we could do that with one letter carrier, how many letter carriers are there in a station, in a, in a U.S. Postal, uh, a post office? How many post offices in my little area here or in my region? So we put together a flyer, and uh, we worded it perfectly, and we spoke with the managers, 
and we asked them if uh, we let them know that we represent a network of investors and we're going through the city fixing up these old vacant and old run-down um, fire hazard type houses and you could be of great service if you'd allow us to put these flyers back here at your back door when your letter carriers go out they can grab one and they said uh, free money uh, $500 a lead if we buy a property please write down the address on the back send it in or whatever and so that way, we got a whole bunch of people looking for us all over the city, bringing us abandoned properties. So in doing so, you get abandoned properties chasing you rather than you chasing them. Very if you're brand new, you're brand new to this, I would suggest you go out there and you find one or two, and you go chase one or two. But when you get used to it, you build a machine, and that takes care of you. You think so, Vina? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're going to take a quick break, after which we would be thrilled to take your questions about abandoned properties with Reggie Brooks at 772-9658 here in the greater Cincinnati area. If you're listening to us on the web, we've got a toll-free number, too. It's 877-772-9658. Or you can simply send an email through our website by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is L.A. investor but nationwide expert Reggie Brooks, who has made a real business for himself for, gosh, almost 30 years, investing in abandoned properties, investing in properties that the owners do not want, because if they did want them, they wouldn't be abandoned. We are taking your questions at 772-9658 in the greater Cincinnati area, 877-772-9658 outside greater Cincinnati, or you can send us an email by going to askvina.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A.com. I would be amiss if I did not mention that Reggie is going to be one of the featured speakers at the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Conference coming up on November 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th here in the Cincinnati area. Mark your calendars for that because you're going to be hearing a lot more about it here on WMKV over the next few weeks and months. And this year is going to be a particularly awesome lineup of speakers and a particularly important year to join us at the OREA convention because as you may have noticed if you're an active real estate investor the uh, state and local governments have been extraordinarily active uh, in coming up with um, wonderful little landlord registration and licensing and inspection and 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 anti-landlord and anti-business laws and as you probably know the nonprofit Ohio Real Estate Investors Association is a group that can keep you up to date on those laws and who also lobby on your behalf as a small investor so mark those dates November 7th 8th 9th and 10th do not plan to be anywhere other than here in Cincinnati for the 2013 OREA conference. Uh, Reggie, we are going to go to the phones and we're going to start on line two with Timmy, who I believe is calling from Dayton, Ohio. Timmy, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello, hello. How's everybody? We're great, Timmy. How are you? I'm well. Hey, Reggie, I got, um, actually, it's a two-part question. One, when you see an abandoned property and when you go to the county website, sometimes um, you find the address of the owner is that property and like clearly there's no one there so what do you do in that case and then two um i've heard a lot about skip traces you know how you can find folks 
But how do you, if you do find someone with that route, how do you have that conversation where it doesn't sound stalkerish? <laughs> and and, <laughs> and let, let me start. Let me start uh, just with an explanation to the audience that uh, we are on public radio here, so we do not recommend any particular uh, companies, t- types of skip tracers, etc. Uh, just uh, for for general information, Reggie. Question number one is, how do you find them when the county thinks they live in the house? And number two. Uh, if you are going to hire a skip tracer and now they call you and say, how did you find me? <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> well, when, one of the things that, uh, that I recommend, and it's a very simple, simple thing, and this is where the big money is made by doing a lot of little things correctly. Uh, that property that's vacant, address an envelope to it, uh, to that address. Make sure that your return address is at the top left of that envelope. And on the bottom right, you write address service requested. Do not forward. And I'll repeat that. Address service requested. Do not forward. And a lot of times what happens is that it gets to the post office, and the postal service uh, sees that the owner has moved from that property, and so they correct it by writing the owner's new address on that envelope. And because you said do not forward, they will return to sender, which is you. So now you have that envelope show up in your mailbox with the owner's corrected information on it. Some of the things that you can get from skip tracing is um, are um, the owner's forwarding address, the addresses that he's moved to, the unlisted telephone numbers in some cases. Uh, some skip trace companies you have to qualify for um, by having an actual office on the street. Not you can't be a home-based business, and there are a few other little hoops that you have to jump through. As a matter of fact, I was discussing this with an expert about uh, about skip tracing uh, just two days ago. So, um, if you're able to qualify for some of those uh, skip trace companies, uh, you can get a wealth of knowledge. One of those companies I saw charge $1 per report, and the report was 25 pages long. So um, key there is to align yourself with the correct tools, and that's one of the things that I'm going to be talking about uh, at the OREA convention is what those correct tools are, how to get your hands on those tools, and how best to use them. Hope that answered your question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, Reggie, his second question was, let's say you have successfully found this oh, owner and yeah and i mean i've had this happen i've had i've had sellers call me and and the first question out of their mouth is not what will you pay me for your house it's how did you how know did you get my number exactly how did you know where i was <laughs> and you know that, that happened to me when i was driving down the street and found an abandoned four unit building and on my cell phone smartphone i had access my skip trace database and that gave me the owner's new information. I'm in Los Angeles, he lived in Chicago. I got his unlisted telephone number, called him up, and I had to spend eight minutes just discussing new technology with him and how technology was uh, allowed me to be able to find him and that I am, you know, such an expert and I'm able to do this to help people and that's why I've learned how to find people online. I don't know what else you can do other than to give him your personal information, and if he's interested in talking with you, he calls you back, and at least he feels comfortable enough to know that at least he has a phone number for you. 
but then you run the risk of him never calling you back. <laughs> I think I'd rather be a salesperson and like I did on that four-unit building and just educate the person very gently and let them know that this is my business. I'm in the business of helping people with properties like this that are living in other areas, and I've learned, you know, um, what is available through technology and what's available legally, and this, you know, I have legal access to this, or I don't know, however you want to uh, word it. But, but you're uh, you're putting it you're putting it you're putting it more gently than dude there is no privacy in America today do you not know that Yeah so all right very good appreciate your call Timmy and uh thank you for that uh, very complete answer Reggie uh let's go to line 1 and talk to Barry who is calling from I don't know where Barry welcome to Real Life Real Estate Hey Vena I'm calling from Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. Excellent. Hello, Barry. Hey, Reggie. Uh, I've got really two questions. One, I've done some of this and bought some some abandoned properties, and I a lot of times I run into uh, lien holders and or or large numbers of heirs, people who've inherited this property, maybe sometimes two or three generations out. Mm-hmm. Do you have some some advice you could give on how to deal with it? Is there a way to minimize these lien holders in this process? Yeah, well, let me let me let me uh, uh, for the for the sake of the audience, Barry. Let me let me uh, clarify what you mean when you say lien holders. You mean you finally abandoned property, the person's willing to sell, but it turns out there's a bunch of liens on it. Yeah, maybe judgments. Okay, uh, grass cutting liens. You know, there's. Sure, the property's abandoned. There's all kinds of things that could have happened to it. I, I get it. All right. So, Reggie, how do you deal with it when you've either got lien holders who are maybe owed more than the property's really worth, or, as Barry says, and, and I've seen this too, the reason it's vacant is because you have 13 heirs that are all fighting over it. <laughs> well, let me tell you about Chuck. Uh, Chuck found this property that was upside down by $2,000, meaning that the value of the property was $2,000 less than what was owed on the property. Uh, there was a first, uh, a second and a third. First was in foreclosure. He, attack, he approaches the holder of the second, the holder of the third. Let him know that the first is in foreclosure. This is why you haven't gotten any payments over the last X number of, um, X number of months or years. And here's some pictures of the property. It's really run down. You're not going to get any payments on this because it's abandoned. And when the first goes into foreclosure, takes the property back, your second and your third are going to get wiped out and you'll get zero. But here's what I'd like to do for you. Instead of you, you have a, a second of 47000 if you'd be willing to accept, oh, 20000 The third holder from 17000 to 10000 the bottom line, I'm not sure about the numbers, but I am sure that Chuck created a $47,000 profit just by discounting the junior liens. Mm-hmm. So that's my answer to you, um, would be to go and discount. Talk to the junior lien holders and let them know. Build a story for yourself. If the place is run down, get some real good pictures of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, get a little history on that property and, um, and see if there is one of those liens that's in foreclosure. You want to know about that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so and, as you talk with those uh, holders and uh, get them to discount. And and Barry, my my experience has been very similar. Don't don't necessarily go after the bank who's in first position because they feel pretty good about mm-hmm. their position. Go after the credit card company that's in second, 
and the insurance judgment that's in third <laughs> and, and exactly. they, because they, they, they literally, I mean, the bank, if, if a bank is in first position, which is pretty common, they are very clear on what the condition of the property is. You do not have to send them pictures. They have, they are sending someone by that property every two weeks to take new updated photos of it. They know what shape it's in. They know what they've got. But I promise you those second lien holders, third lien holders, fourth and on down the line, have no idea what's going on. They just they don't have the systems in place and the processes in place to do that. So if you can explain it to them, a lot of times that will, um, as as Reggie says, get you significant discounts. And so you get them to agree to a uh, to assign, agree just to discount it on like an assignment or how, how what. What, what, well, uh, you really you really have two options there, depending on on what you think the future of that foreclosure is going to be. If there if there's somebody in in first that's foreclosing, um, there, there's there's two ways to go about it. One is, and this is assuming that you have the cooperation of the owner of the property, get a hardship letter, negotiate on his behalf, and when you have everything negotiated down to where you want it, then just pay off everything, right? The other way to do it that's kind of creative, and if you go back into the uh, Real Life Real Estate Archives and look for a show with a guy named Mike Warren, he talks about this. Instead of saying, I want to pay off your $47,000 lien for 20, say, I'd like an option to buy your $47,000 lien for 20. And that way, instead, if you, if you think that the property is probably headed to foreclosure no matter what, uh, you mm-hmm. have the opportunity to even make money through a foreclosure. In that case, and, and actually buying the additional yeah. liens does not require the cooperation of the owner of the property. I see. So you would you could go to the sale and actually run it up and make money on it that way. Huh? Yes, sir. I see. Sure could. So your second question was about um, the, the the fairly significant yeah, the, uh, number of these properties that turn out to be in a state. And Reggie, I'm sure you've run across that over and over and over again. I'm sorry, Vina. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't hear the question. Uh, it, it's about the, the, numbers of, the numbers of these properties that you find out that the reason they're abandoned is that the owner actually died. And you have sometimes generations of errors. Sometimes it hasn't even been probated. I, I, do, do you... Do you make yourself a little bit of an expert in that whole probate thing in order to deal with those, or do you just walk away? Well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is one property that I did that had a whole bunch of errors on it. And what was interesting is that they were all uh, at odds with each other. Uh, They all hated each other. And it was very, very difficult dealing with them. Uh, I'd go to one person's house, and all they'd want to do is talk about how much they hated the other. So an idea popped into mind. And I went one day to one of them. We had an, a meeting, and before we even started talking, I told them that the one person that they hated most, I said, you know, John told me that he thought that you were going to be the easiest to work with, and I think he was right. And I watched her demeanor change toward John. <laughs> and so I just started playing one for the other, and that way and just started having them feel a little bit better about, uh, about each other. Now, I know that everybody is not going to have that kind of a situation, where they can go and just using that kind of uh, psychology turn a, uh, a situation around. But that was the psychology that came to mind at that time. There may a di- be a different psychology that, uh, that comes to mind when you are interacting with whoever you're interacting with. But always remember, Barry, your job is to solve sellers' problems. And in order to do that, you have to kind of know um, what's going on with them personally. And so that's the only reason why I was able to use that, uh, um, use that uh, psychology. One of the, 
I think one of the brothers was in prison. And now my, uh, I've got everybody's signature, finally. It took me about a week of psychology to do it. And the one that was in prison, I was ready to fly to that state and go there and have him sign because I had spoken with him over the phone. He was ready to do it. And someone suggested something real simple. Hey, how about FedEx? <laughs> <laughs> and how about timing it when the notary public that goes to the prison once a week anyway is there? And so that's the way we handled it, and uh, I made a boatload of money on that. It's a are you having them sign? I'm sorry? What are you having? Are you having them sign quick claim deeds? Um, I think at that time they were quick claims. Yeah, I had them just quit claim their uh, their right to me. Okay. Um, yeah, in trust, and uh, you know, for a certain consideration. But I think the the moral of the story is uh, understand as much as you can about your seller's problems, so that you can better solve them and better be, have a you know a, a bigger payday, uh, a, a better win win situation for both of you. Mm-hmm. And Barry, it's a it's a general rule in in at least the deal finding part of real estate that that people who are willing to stick with things and take the extra step and track down that owner that's hard to track down and deal with the air situation that's hard to deal with are the ones who are going to make the money because mm-hmm. you know yeah. anybody anybody can grab the low hanging fruit. And of course, that's we would love it all to be low hanging fruit, but the reality is there are some great deals that require some working through with human beings and uh, if you are if you are willing to do that even even when you don't feel 100% confident that you even know how to approach these people uh, exactly then yeah. then you become 100% uh, comfortable th- just through experience and you get deals that other people say how did you get that i tried to buy that house for 2 years and i couldn't get those ears exactly to sit down right. and agree that's exactly right you know vina if you don't mind i'd like to interject just another quick story to Barry. that's so uh, apropos it was a, an abandoned house that I found and found the owner, went over to talk to the owner, and the owner says, oh, no, no, honey, I'm not going to sell that property. I'm holding it for my grandson, and I'm going to give it to him when he gets of age. So conversation continued. Then I brought back to the grandson and said, well, how old is your grandson? Oh, he's 14 years old right now, honey. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, he can't sign a contract till he's 18. When he's 18 years old, is he going to want to inherit a beat-up, run-down house that's going to need probably twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars worth of work? He's not going to want that. So, in understanding a seller's problem, now we can develop a solution for that problem. So here was the solution: I educated her first of all. It's going to be four years of that property sitting there, subject to vandalism. It's going to cost you more than it's worth. You're going to have to pay taxes on that property. You're going to have four years of legal liability on that property. When you give it to your son, we already talked about that. He's not going to want it, your grandson. Why not sell it to me and the proceeds that come from the sale? We will together find a four-unit building for your grandson. We'll move him into one unit when he's of age, and he'll be able to live on his own, and the other three units will pay for the whole building, and he will have no rent, and he can save his money. And so it was a simple solution that caused me to be able to buy that property. Once again, I made another boatload of cash, but at the same time, we solved the seller's problem. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be able to do that if you're just looking at trying to do a deal and trying to make some money. You have to be looking at how can I solve this seller's problem. 
Super. Thank you very much. Thank you so sure, much my pleasure. For, your call, for your call, Barry. And remember, Nashville is only about a five-and-a-half-hour drive from Cincinnati. We get, uh, I hope to see you, Barry. <laughs> we, get, we get tons of uh, folks from Wren down in Nashville. That's another one of our nonprofit real estate investors associations uh, around the country that come up to the OREA convention every year. Uh, Reggie got a question here uh, via email, and this one is from John Franco, who actually is in L.A., which your backyard. Hi, John. Uh, He says, um, how does Reggie go about finding the owners or the relatives, which I think you've already covered? But his second question is, once you locate the owners or the relatives of the owners, how do you convince them to sell to you? And I think maybe that shows a a just a a basic lack of understanding about how motivated these people really are to sell. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's almost like how do you stop them from trying to convince you to take the property? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you'll have no problem. Uh, it when most of the times now, I won't say all the times that I think Vina put a percentage on it. Most of the times, you're going to find owners of abandoned properties that once they are aware of the position that they actually sit in, they want to sell the properties. Let's recap. They're paying a mortgage most of the times on these properties, but the property is run down and it cannot be inhabited. So they have money going out, but no money coming in. They're afraid to stop making that mortgage payment because they don't want their credit to go bad, so they'll continue to make that. That's pressure with no money coming in. They'd like to stop that. The property needs some work. They'd love to rent the property, but they don't have the money to fix the property up because they got the money going out, not coming in, and so now they can't fix it up and they can't rent it out. Um, And once again, we all know that this is such a litigious society that we live in, and people are just itching like predators to sue someone and take what they've worked hard for and claim it as their own. So when an owner understands all of this, they would rather create some cash from that property rather than continue to make a mortgage payment out with no money coming in. So there becomes the opportunity to put together a creative financing deal. We already know that the commercial lenders will not lend on an abandoned property because most of the times they need work. And so now we know that the owner is highly motivated to get rid of these properties. And so in order to do that, they know that they have to become the bank. They will become owners who will finance those properties. When an owner, when you get an owner-financed deal, nine times out of ten, they don't care whether you have money in the bank They don't care whether you have a job. They don't care whether they have good credit. All they care about is that you can solve their problems. And so one of the things that I teach, and I'm going to talk about this at the OREA convention, is how to structure the deal so that you can get yourself owner financing. And that owner carries that property with a moratorium on payments. So you don't have to make a payment until you've got the property fixed up and you have the property marketed ready to sell. Now the only question becomes, how are you going to fix it up? If you don't have money to put down as a down payment on the property, how are you going to fix it up? Well, I'm going to share a real quick little idea. Is it okay? Or we have time? Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, boy, Reggie knows the answer to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Another area of your expertise is how to get low interest loans and grants uh, from the city, from the state, from, in some cases, the federal government. Uh, You you have one minute to talk about that because we're nearing nearing the end of the show here. Okay. I wasn't going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about 
that we'll also talk about at the convention. Run out of time now, but their money is there. There are billions of dollars there, and especially with real estate coming back right now, the money is really going to be flowing quite a bit. I want to teach you how to get your part of it as well. That's all part of what I'm going to talk about at the convention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yes, lots of interest right now amongst uh, cities in particular with uh, dealing with their abandoned housing problem that they are recognizing that they have after uh, what's what's gone on for the last four years. And uh, we are seeing more and more money coming from the federal level down to our cities for the purpose of taking some of these properties and turning them into livable uh, properties, which I am looking forward to hearing you talk about at the OREA convention here in Cincinnati on November 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Reggie, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your many years of expertise in abandoned housing. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.